Hi, this is Pastor Jeff, and I just want to take a moment to thank you for subscribing to our podcast. Hey, if these resources have been a blessing to you, would you please consider supporting us so we can continue to be here and reach even more people for Christ? Look for the donate link right here on your podcast player. Thanks again, and I hope you enjoy today's message. God bless you. Welcome to From His Heart with Pastor Jeff Shreve, who today is in his new and timely series, Forever and Ever, The Reality of Eternal Heaven and Eternal Hell. Have you ever wondered what eternity will be like? Today, you'll discover what happens when you inherit heaven. Christians have wondered, what is heaven going to be like? What do we do in heaven? Uh, Our minds just race with questions about heaven. God tells us about heaven. Now, he doesn't give us all the specifics about heaven, but he tells us enough to get us so excited about this place. Now, remember, in the book of Revelation, It's not the revelation of John, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ that was given to John, the unveiling, Revelation 21 and 22, that's the eternal state. That tells us about eternity. Time is no more at the beginning of Revelation chapter 21, and this is what John says about it. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he shall dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be among them. And he shall wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there shall no longer be any death. There shall no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write, for these words are faithful and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost. He who overcomes shall inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. Such a great passage of Scripture. So, what is in store for the child of God? We're going to, as Christians, the Scripture says we're going to inherit these things. What is in store? What is our eternal home going to be like? I want you to notice with me three characteristics of our eternal home in heaven with God. Number one, heaven is beyond our imagination. It's beyond our imagination. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, What eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has even entered into the heart of man all that God has prepared for those who love him. Now, 
John is going to describe heaven, but he's describing something that is indescribable. He saw a new heaven and a new earth, verse 1, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there's no longer any sea. So the first thing we learn is it is brand new, a new heaven and a new earth. It is brand new, and it is God's greatest masterpiece. The new heaven and the new earth, and the crown jewel of the new heaven and the new earth is the holy city, New Jerusalem. Verse 2, and I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. That's the capital city that comes down out of that third heaven to this new Uh, this new earth and heaven that God makes, the capital city is the new Jerusalem. And it is some kind of city. I mean, it's an amazing place. And the Scripture says that uh, that it's made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. Now, John 14 where Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. That's the place. That's the place, the, the capital city of the new heaven and the new earth, new Jerusalem. He's preparing that place. That's the place that comes down. And the Bible tells us that's the place that has streets of gold, that has gates of pearl, that has walls around it. That, ha- that is 1,500 miles in length, in width, and in height. And it's called the holy city in verse 2, but we could call it the holy, holy, holy city. See, this new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven is holy, holy, holy. Now, the Bible calls Jerusalem, just in other parts of the Bible, it calls it the holy city. It's the city of the great king. There's something special about Jerusalem, and God led David to set up his kingdom in Jerusalem. Uh, Jerusalem was, normal, it was uh, formerly known as Jebus because it was the, the site of the Jebusites, and nobody could seem to overthrow uh, Jebus because of the way it was walled in, but David was able to overthrow uh, Jebus, and he set that up as his kingdom, and that became Jerusalem, and God loves that place. It's the city of the great king. But now this is new Jerusalem. Old Jerusalem was was tainted with sin. Old Jerusalem, the Lord says, behold, your house is left unto you desolate. And, And the Lord left that house in Jerusalem. And Jerusalem was destroyed by the Romans. And during the tribulation period, the Antichrist is going to set himself up in the temple in Jerusalem and say, no longer do you worship uh, and have sacrifices to God. You worship me. I am God. And that's called the abomination of desolation that's spoken of in Matthew chapter 24. But now we have this new Jerusalem. It's holy because God is there. It's holy because it's dedicated to God, and it's holy because only the people who occupy the new Jerusalem are believers. They've been made holy by the blood of the Lamb. It says in verse 27 of chapter 21, and nothing unclean, 
And no one who practices abomination and lying shall ever come into it, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. That's what John saw. It is beyond imagination. Second characteristic. Heaven is nothing like now. It's nothing like now. Now, in the, the physical characteristics of heaven, yeah, it's beyond imagination, and we have nothing to compare it to, but when we think of life on earth now, heaven is nothing like that. Look what he says in verse 4. And he shall wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there shall no longer be any death. There shall no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. So how does John describe heaven, the indescribable? He describes it by saying what's not there, the, the, uh, the blessed exemptions and uh, things that are taken out, death and mourning and crying and pain, and he's going to wipe away every tear from our eyes. You mark it down in heaven in the eternal state of heaven, there will never be one second of sorrow. Not one second of sorrow. Not anything that would cause anyone to have tears. Now, I believe that at the judgment seat of Christ that we talked about last week, I believe that there will be tears of regret at the judgment seat of Christ. And I believe that he does wipe away those tears at the judgment seat of Christ. But Revelation 21 and 22, that's talking about the eternal state. That's not talking about the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema judgment. All that is past. Now we're entering into eternity. And there is no sorrow in the eternal state in heaven. And none of those things that we have known before, death and mourning and crying and depression and... and uh, anxiety and all, all those things are gone. There are not any tears in heaven. There's not any sorrow in heaven, not one second of sorrow. And secondly, there will always be in heaven complete joy and satisfaction. Complete joy and satisfaction. We have new bodies that were given in heaven, glorified bodies, bodies like the Lord Jesus. For our citizenship, Paul says, is in heaven from which we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory through the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. We're going to have a body just like Jesus' body, indestructible. This perishable must put on imperishable, and this mortal must put on immortality. Then will come about the saying, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? There is no death in the eternal state, and we have bodies that cannot die, and we will be able to experience joy like we've never experienced before. We'll be able to experience satisfaction like never before, and that's what heaven is. It is complete joy and satisfaction. Look at verse 6 of chapter 21, and he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Alpha is the first letter of the Greek alphabet. Omega is the last. I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost. That is God's way of saying you will be satisfied in heaven. 
Psalm 16, verse 11 says, In your presence, Lord, is fullness of joy. And in your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Now, the opposite is hell. It talks about hell. Verse 8, but for the cowardly and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and immoral persons and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. What do you experience in hell? You experience torment like you've never experienced it before. Torment to the full. Loneliness to the full. Alienation from others and from God to the extreme, to the full. It is awful and it is horrible. Anger every day, regret every day, consternation every day in hell. Such a contrast. Heaven is beyond our imagination. Heaven is nothing like now. And then characteristic number three, heaven is living with God forever. That's really what heaven is. That's what makes heaven so wonderful is you're with God forever with God. Musical group that I used to listen to when I first got saved had a song out, and it said, heaven is being with you. There's nothing I'd rather do. There is nothing better knowing you forever. There is nothing better, Jesus. Heaven is the Lord. That's what makes heaven, heaven. And as that song says, if I got to heaven and you weren't there, I wouldn't want to be there because I want to be where you are. Verse 3, John says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he shall dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be among them. What happens in heaven? We dwell with God. We dwell with God because God chooses to dwell with us. And it is going to be so exciting to be in the presence of God. Now, there has been a question that theologians kick around. God is spirit. And so in heaven, do we see God the Father or do we just see God the Son? See, it says in John 1, verse 18, no man has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. The only begotten God, or as some older or newer manuscripts say, the only begotten Son who is in the image of the Father, in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. I think that in heaven we get to see God. I think he's talking about God the Father. Of course, God the Son dwells with us, but I think God the Father dwells with us in that state too. This is what Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, that you keep the commandment without stain or reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will bring about at the proper time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone possesses immortality and dwells in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. God the Father dwells in unapproachable light. But he says in Revelation 22:3, I'm going to dwell among them. Wow. The God who dwells in unapproachable light the God whom, whom no man has seen or can see in their humanity, we're going to see him. 
We're going to dwell with him. And then it says that we serve him. Revelation 22, verse 3. There shall no longer be any curse, and the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his bondservants shall serve him. So in heaven, it doesn't really say what we do. We just know that we're going to serve him, and it's going to be so exciting and joyful and pleasurable, and it's going to be off the chain. And then it says, we will see his face and his full glory. Look at chapter 22, verses 4 and 5, and they shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads, and there shall no longer be any night, and they shall have not need of the light of a lamp nor the light of the sun, because the Lord God shall illumine them, and they shall reign forever and ever. We see his face. See, the apostles saw the face of Jesus, and Peter and James and John, they saw Jesus in all his power when he went up to the Mount of Transfiguration and he unzipped in, 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 so to speak, the veil of his flesh and his clothing became white like lightning and his face started to shine like the sun. And they didn't know what to say and they fell on their faces. And Peter, not knowing what to say, said, Lord, it is good that we're here that we'll make three tabernacles, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah because Moses and Elijah appeared with him. And I, I love that about Peter. He doesn't know what to say, but he has to say something. That's Peter. I mean, I don't know what to say. I'm going to say something. It's good that we're here so we can build three tabernacles. But Jesus gave them a glimpse into his power and coming and glory. And so they, they saw that in Jesus, but not to the fullness that we see in heaven. When we see the Father's face, wow, the God who dwells in unapproachable light and the throne of God and the lamb are there in the new heaven and new earth in the new Jerusalem and you know what's so cool you read about the new Jerusalem this this 1500 mile cube it's filled with gold and with precious stones and it does ha not have need of a light of a lamp or the light of the sun because the Lord God lights it up with his glory and it's just this brilliant, blazing light that comes out of the new Jerusalem, the capital city of heaven. That's where we're going to live. We get to come to the earth. I, I kind of look at it this way. We live in the new Jerusalem, and the, the earth is kind of like our backyard. You just get to play in the earth and do stuff in the earth. But we, when we at nighttime, well, there is no night there, but, but we get to, you know, come back. It's time for supper. You know, you come back up and you're in the New Jerusalem and you're with God. It is going to be so awesome. Listen. He says in verse 7, he who overcomes shall inherit these things. And I will be his God and he will be my son. But verse 8, but for the cowardly and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and immoral persons and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Such a contrast. The person who overcomes, he inherits these things with God. You say, well, I don't feel much like an overcomer. First John chapter 5 
Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. And who is the one who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. That's an overcomer, somebody who puts his faith and trust in Jesus. It's not that you have to be this big, strong uh, girl, this big, strong guy that says, I can overcome. Uh, no, it's that you put your faith and trust in Jesus. You realize you can't overcome, so, Lord, I need you, and I trust you. He makes you an overcomer. And you have a choice. You can come to Christ, put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, Confess to God that you're a sinner and you're lost and you can't save yourself and you deserve hell for your sins and your rebellion against him. You can come and say to the Lord Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, cleanse me, save me, change me. I give myself to you. And the moment that you do that, he saves you. He does that with anybody. Whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But if you don't, if there's too much pride if there's too much attachment to this world, attachment to your sin, then verse 8 is for you. Your part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone. Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? Listen, it's so wonderful. The last chapter of the Bible, Revelation 22, verse 13, we have an invitation. And the Spirit... Verse 17, I'm sorry. And the spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears, come. And let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who wishes take the water of life without cost. God's favorite word is come. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Come now. Jesus said, come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me, and I'll give you salvation. Why wouldn't we come? It doesn't make sense why people wouldn't come. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. It's a reasonable thing to come to the Lord. It makes absolutely no sense to not come to him. He's offering you Forgiveness and salvation and joy and peace and power and, and at home forever in heaven with him. Why would you not come to that? You have an opportunity today. You watching online, you watching on television, you listening on the radio, you in here. No doubt in, in any given service, there are lots of people that have never put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You have an opportunity today. You say, I'll do it tomorrow. Tomorrow may never come. All you have is today. Jesus died for you. Jesus died for all mankind, and he died for old mankind, and he died for you. And if you'll take one step toward the Savior, my friend, you'll find his arms open wide. We've been talking about the reality of eternal heaven and eternal hell. Do you know where you're going? Hey, if you're not certain, today is the day to nail that down. Just pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I need you. I know that I'm a sinner and I'm lost and I can't save myself, but I believe you are God in the flesh. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose again from the dead. And right now, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Come into my heart, forgive me of all my sins, 
be my Lord and Savior. Make me the person you want me to be. My friend, if you'll pray that kind of prayer of surrender and mean it, the Lord will come in and your life will never be the same. I'd love to hear from you, to know that you're watching, to know that God is using this broadcast to make a difference in your life, to know that you just prayed that prayer to receive Christ as Savior and Lord. Please take the time to call that toll-free number, write me, email me, let me know what's going on and how we can pray for you. You really are important to God and you're important to us and we're here for you. Today's message, Inheriting Heaven, is from Pastor Jeff's series, Forever and Ever, The Reality of Eternal Heaven and Eternal Hell. And it's available in multiple formats when you call 877-777-6171 or go to fromhisheart.org. This month on From His Heart, we're in my new series titled Forever and Ever, The Reality of Eternal Heaven and Eternal Hell. The Apostle Paul said, there shall certainly be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. That means either heaven or hell awaits every person. And the reality is, eternity is a long time to be wrong. That's why so many people need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ, our Savior and God. I know this year has been a challenging one financially for many of us. Inflation has taken a big toll. And I'm amazed and humbled by how the Lord has allowed us to continue to share the reality of God's love to more and more people every year. Listen, the reach of From His Heart has continued to grow substantially on radio, television, and especially online during these past 12 months. And I'm excited about the real life-changing impact that we can make together in 2023. Please know that we depend on December's donations to close out our year strong and provide a solid foundation for From His Heart to reach even more people in 2023. Our December goal is $450,000. Now remember, I'm a volunteer at From His Heart and I'm a generous supporter. I take no income from this ministry. That means that every dollar you give goes to spreading the truth of Jesus further and farther in the months to come. Now for your year-end gift today, I'd like to say thanks by sending you my new book of transcriptions from my series, Forever and Ever, The Reality of Eternal Heaven and Eternal Hell, along with the series in the audio or video format of your choice. Now I believe these truths will encourage you to live for Jesus, to share the good news of Jesus, and to look forward without fear to His soon return. Hey, thanks for your support and God bless you. To thank you for your year-end gift, we'd like to send you Pastor Jeff's new book of transcriptions from the four-lesson series, Forever and Ever, The Reality of Eternal Heaven and Eternal Hell, plus the series on CDs, DVDs, USB, or digital download. You can make your year-end gift when you call 877-777-6171 or go online for these resources at fromhisheart.org. From His Heart is the viewer-supported broadcast ministry of Dr. Jeff Shreve, who believes that no matter how badly you may have messed up in life, God still loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. You can find out more at fromhisheart.org. Real truth.